Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, you are listening to the China Sports Insider Podcast. I am Haig Balian and I am with Mark Dreyer. He is the author of Sporting Superpower. Mark, how was your week? It was pretty good. Uh, I've been trying to watch as much Paralympics as I can, just juggling uh, all the usual uh, priorities and so on. But uh, yeah, I've been enjoying what I've uh, managed to catch, particularly like the, uh, the the alpine skiing. That's been fun. We are going to talk a lot about the Paralympics this week. And we're also going to talk about the WTA moving on from China. And we're going to check in with my favorite swimmer, Sun Yang, <laughs> later on in the show. But let's start with the Paralympics because there's a lot of news there. The day after the opening ceremonies, Mark, you you sent me a voice message about the speech by IPC President Andrew Parsons. I am not going to play that, <laughs> <laughs> that that voice message. So I'm I'm sure most of our listeners know what happened by now. Parsons started his speech with a message of peace, and the message was censored by CCTV five, and then this really really annoyed you. Parsons sort of flubbed his line a bit, and instead of referring to the People's Republic of China, he made the error of calling it the Republic of China. It's been a few days. Are you still annoyed? All right, so let me give a little bit more context here. Parsons gave what was widely regarded as a fantastic speech. It's rare that you have leaders of sporting institutions who are uh, as passionate Uh, and fiery as he was. And it was a message, it was an anti-war message. He didn't mention Russia. Um, You know, you can imply whatever you want to imply from his message, but but like, it it should not be controversial to be saying, you know, war is bad, there is war going on right now. But it was censored by Chinese broadcasters. So so that's on the one side. The other thing that he said was he he clearly stumbled over his words. You you can listen back to it and, you know, Written on the screen, written in his, the text of his speech is People's Republic of China. Now, the rest of the world just speaks about China. We don't talk about People's Republic of China, but it's a mistake. And he was, said he was passionate and, and emotional and, and made a mistake. So, so he apologized. But not only did they apologize, they issued this statement, which went out on Chinese social media, on the IPC channel, on Weibo, saying, you know, we're so sorry. All the usual stuff about, you know, when people when people say these things and they have to apologize for, for hurting the feelings of, of the Chinese people. Now, I get it. He's put himself in their shoes. And although it was clearly it was an honest mistake, 
people were upset about it. I understand the sensitivities about the Taiwan and Chinese Taipei and all that, all that sort of stuff. He was asked also to say, well, what the hell happened with the censorship? And five days later, we have no answer. I'd be very surprised if the IPC has an answer um, and they're just choosing not to make it public. But to me, that is a far, far bigger issue than an honest stumble over one word for which he, he has apologized. And that's OK. But it's like, why was his anti-war message censored? Why have we not heard what happened there? It's frankly, it's just ridiculous. Like, there's so many issues that we talk about on the show, but there's a lot of political things and they have a lot of nuance there. But I think this to me is, is one of the clear black and white issues. China protects freedom of speech in his constitution. This was like, it was not an offensive message and it was a great speech. Everyone heard it. Chinese president Xi Jinping heard it because he was in the stadium. Uh, It was roundly applauded by whoever was there. We don't know exactly who was in attendance, but like, why was this censored? Why haven't we heard anything about it? Uh, And, and just that the contrast with, the fact that that how the IPC was treated in their the huge event, yes, China's the host, but it's not their event. It's the IPC's events, the Paralympics. You know, why haven't we heard any response on that issue? Uh, but we have heard an apology from the IPC about a, a, a stumble over a word. I don't think we're going to hear any apology or any explanation about that. Do you? I don't think we are. Over the last say, 15 years, these international bodies, FIFA, IOC, has made what I would call eyebrow-raising decisions. FIFA awarding Russia and Qatar the World Cup, uh, IOC awarding Russia and China the Olympics. When you do that, in a way, you're sort of asking for situations like this. Yeah. And it's it's a pain in the ass. I mean, is is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And going forward, I think the world has changed over the last week or so. And I don't know like whether or not the political will is there from these organizations like FIFA and, and the IOC to sort of deal with it. I'm going to make one distinction there. Uh, um, mm-hmm. The difference between the IOC and the IPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, for example, if we go back to Rio, the IPC were very quick to ban Russian athletes over the uh, Paralympic athletes over the doping scandal. Okay. Um, they took a much quicker and, and firmer stance than the IOC done. And they've consistently done that. So that's why I'm sort of so disappointed over what's happened with the Paralympics. Uh, the difference, you know, a lot of people sort of think, oh, it's all the same, IOC and IPC. They're not. They're, they're separate. I think the IOC coming into China, we talked about this months ago on the show, given all the, the geopolitical conversation and the talk about diplomatic boycotts and, uh, and human rights in, uh, in Xinjiang and all the other stuff that China didn't want to talk about, uh, and then, then, of course, Peng Shui cropped up uh, in the build-up to, to the Olympics. It was a nightmare for them to deal with the IOC. And so I think they were just happy to get through these Olympics, get back to Switzerland, start focusing on Paris and Milan and L.A. and all these, you know, quote, friendly places. I think they will start to think twice about um, awarding games to... to like, it, it's a balance because yeah. they have a global remit. You have to be inclusive. You can't just ignore... The Chinese market, like, of course you want winter sports to be developed here. There's huge benefits to having the Olympics here from a sporting perspective. And I don't want to forget that. Um, so so those are valid reasons. We've seen tremendous uh, a catalyst in the growth of winter sports here over the last seven years since China was awarded. And we wouldn't have had that if the games weren't here. So that often gets lost in the conversation. Uh, you know how Even do you so. how Even do you weigh up the two sides? I, yeah, I mean, to be a fly on the wall in Lausanne, Lausanne, 
How do you pronounce the capital? <laughs> <laughs> I even speak German. <laughs> Switzerland. 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 Had to be a fly on the wall of the IOC headquarters. It's Switzerland. I I really I wish I knew like all the behind the scenes stuff that was that's been going on over the last few weeks here in Beijing. I bet it's juicy. I bet it's really really. Well, juicy. here's the one thing with with the Paralympics. It, for the for the Olympics, you have these bizarre press conferences that we've talked about, mm-hmm. where you have these. Chinese journalists who are, you know, it's their job to report China's story. And, you know, it's, it's a different concept of what media is. So they're lobbing what we would consider softball questions. You know, why are the volunteers so great? And, and how are the venues so shiny and fantastic? <laughs> Good questions. And then you have, you know, flip-flopping back and forth with the, with the foreign journalists sort of <laughs> saying the, the opposite. Like, like, you know, Eileen Gu questions and, and Peng Shui and all this sort of stuff. Uh, at the Paralympics... To my knowledge, there's only a handful of, of sort of roving foreign reporters. I don't even know if any of them would go to this, these daily briefings. So that's why these questions aren't being asked yeah. of the IPC. And we're only getting stuff about, you know, how, how shiny and fantastic the venues are. Last week, we were waiting to, to hear uh, whether Russian or Belarusian athletes were going to be allowed to compete at the uh, the Paralympic Games. And of course, we got our answer soon after. Well, for the first answer was, yes, they would be able to compete. And then the IPC um, changed their minds. And I think for, for a very good reason. Well, I don't know if it was. You, you I mean, I, th- I, think it was, I, think, I think that was clearly the only option that they had. I mean, if you, you saw what happened at the Gymnastics World Cup in Doha, right? When the uh, Russian athlete there, who won the bronze medal went to the podium and had the Z taped on their yeah. on their shirt. Like, you, Could you imagine that happening here? Yes. Okay, so I, I know what you mean. I don't disagree with that. But I think it, it, the, the, the decision that the IPC made was really interesting because basically they said we wanted to kind of kick them out, but we didn't have a legal case. And, you know, like it or not... They have to. They have to go by the rules. So, for example, you can't even point to the Olympic truce because it's not referred to in their constitution. Mm. If they want to add it into the constitution, they have to call a a, a big uh, AGM with six months waiting time and then add it in. So you can't just like, hey, let's just hold a five minute Zoom call this morning, talk about the Olympic truce, then we have a legal case. So basically, they said, look, we can't kick them out. And then what happened was, uh, I believe the Latvians led this, but a lot of the athletes then went to the IPC and said, look, we're not happy. We're not going to compete if they do. We don't know how many people did, but the IPC was very clear the next day when they did kick out the, the Russians and the Belarusians to say, our legal case has not changed. So they were like, we could be screwed here. If the Russians had gone to the court of arbitration for sport, they had a very strong legal case, again, Get the emotions out of the situation mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Legal case to say yes, we're able to uh, we're able to compete here. It would have been a very messy situation because then uh, are we going to have athletes pulling out? Are you just going to have literally Chinese and Russians and Belarusians <laughs> competing? And I also heard just to make it if it wasn't complicated enough that there'd been some COVID uh, uh, tests uh, coming <laughs> oh, into the no. Russian camp. So maybe they, uh, if CAS had made a quick ruling and then they got reinstated and then they were in isolation anyway, then it would have just been kind of ridiculous. So the Russians didn't appeal and then they've, they've uh, long since gone home. So mm-hmm. this is where we are. But in terms of those individual athletes, I do just kind of want to say a quick word about them. Like, is banning athletes, and this is this is an ongoing question, is something that I've really struggled with this week. Is banning athletes changing, making any impact on what Putin does whatsoever? I, th- I think the answer is maybe. I, I don't have the answer to that, but I think that it, it's it's just to show the worldwide 
effort here that the world is united in it every makes single world, aspect. It makes the rest of us feel better about ourselves because we're I think it's doing more than something. that. Well, yes, maybe, but I think it's 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 to ostracize uh, a couple of countries that are you know that are that are clearly working outside of the world. So we're we're probably straying uh, somewhat out of our lane here. But but I did read a quote from a from a, a Belarusian person who is not an athlete. You know, she was saying 90% of, of Belarusian people are against this war, but we kind of get vilified overseas. People don't like dismiss us as part of the government. We tried to overthrow the government and that was kind of put down. So if we talk about the individual Russian Paralympians who have worked their asses off to overcome unbelievable challenges, the like of which the vast majority of us can't even imagine, they're being penalized you got to feel sorry for them. Yeah, no, of course, of course I feel sorry for them. I mean, on an individual basis, how could you not feel yeah, sorry for them? Yeah. I just I just think there's a greater political goal here. That's that's more than just making us trying to make us feel better. There is. You know? I I I guess where I am at the moment on this is I just wish that the sporting impact was was having any tangible effect. It, but but I mean, there's there's a million different sanctions happening. Are they having a tangible true, effect? True. You know, we don't we don't we don't know. I think just it has to be unified. I mean, I, th- I think that's the point. Everybody has to be in lockstep here, and that includes, unfortunately, that includes these events like the Paralympic Games. You know, it's it's it it sucks, but it all sucks. And let me just say one more thing. You know, I I totally recognize that this is maybe the least important impact of this war, but um. You know, it's a sports podcast, so I actually have to ask this question. (laughs) How has the absence of Russian athletes impacted the medal table here? Well, I mean, if you look at the top of the tables, actually the first day, Ukraine was top, which I think a lot of people had noticed. Uh, Since then, China has been far away the leader. Now, if you're not a a Paralympic historian, which I'm guessing most people are not, not, um, in the Summer Paralympics, China has dominated. They've uh, topped the 10 medals tables in the last five games. The Winter Games, they've only had one previous medal of any color. It was a gold four years ago in, in Pyeongchang. So they first uh, attended, China first attended the Paralympic Games in 2002, Salt Lake City. So they've been in the Games for a while, but they are undisputed number one. Now, I think there's three reasons uh, that they're doing well here. Um, we have to we have to say you know the the Russians and the Belarusians are both uh, Russians more than Belarus but uh, both powerhouses when it comes to winter sports so they have won a combined 120 medals over the last two Paralympic games oh, wow, in okay. Winter Paralympics huh. so the fact that those athletes are not competing clearly opens up a bunch of uh, yes there was a there was a boost for the home athletes in in uh, for for Russia in Sochi but it's it's more than that number two the home nation always gets a home boost and and China has I think about four times as many athletes this time around than it did four years ago so the fact that uh you know they they've packed out the the events with with their athletes it, they have a huge delegation here the the like of which very few other nations can match and and then number 3 look they're doing very well you know let let's not let's give China some credit I think but uh, the all the athletes have performed they've surprised a lot of people because there hasn't been a whole lot of international Paralympic competition or para sport competition over the last few years, particularly with COVID. You know, the budgets just aren't the same there. So there's, you know, not as much international travel and so on. So a lot of the the favored athletes or defending champs are like, who are these Chinese competitors? We've never even heard of them and they're winning goals. You know, so so there is some some surprise there. But um, I think there's there's those three reasons why China's doing so well. Does that take a hit to the legitimacy, do you think, of the uh of the results? <sighs> 
That's a tough question. I, you know, that's a wider question in terms of like, you know, if the Russians are going to be out, it's only one nation. This is kind of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it's not kind of like the, uh, you know, I think of sort of the asterisk in baseball from from the, from those seasons. Right, right, right. Um, but no, I, I think uh, it definitely impacts the medal tables. I, I don't have a sense. I don't think anyone would have a sense of if the Russians were in there, how many medals would they have won uh, and taken away from China? Uh, and where they'd be in the medal tables. But it, it wouldn't be the same uh, table. We can talk about this a little bit more when we talk about tennis. But but I want to move on to stuff that's going on on the field of play right now, because we haven't talked about that at all. During the Olympics, we talked a bit about the weather up in Zhangjiak Ho. You might recall the story about the Finnish skier who had those frozen genitals. genitals. Yes, yes. yeah. My, those my... frozen genitals. We're not sure if it was, I suppose, all if it was the meat and the two veg, if oh, it was Mark, just the meat. But... Mark, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family podcast. Um, the weather the weather is now much, much nicer here in Beijing, but it's still treacherous up in the mountains. So treacherous, in fact, that Andrew Kirka, an American skier, was actually blown off course and he had broken bones and he still finished the race. Yeah, he's a warrior. I think it was in the warm-up or, or previous to his race, he broke a thumb and also his humerus, like kind of part of the shoulder. That's crazy. Uh, and then still finished fourth. That's amazing. And and so I've watched a little bit of ice hockey and some of the snow cross events. Um what's what what have been some of the best moments for you so far? I love the Paralympics hike. I really do. Uh we've talked about this before in in terms of how inspiring it is and some of the commentating that I've had I've done in the past on the Paralympics. This was just one example of many, but I was reading some quotes from a from a, a Swedish skier by the name of Ebba Arsjön and apologies Ebba if I've butchered your name. She was born with Klippel Trenone syndrome, which basically means she's hardly got any muscles in her right leg below her knee, and she won a gold medal. So she's in the standing skiing category. And her quotes afterwards, she says, I want other girls with disabilities and boys too to look at me and think, I can do that as well. I want to show them, do like I did, be inspired by what she's done. She said that's more important to her than the skiing that she's doing. And she said her life has just really changed. It's more about now how I view myself and how my family around me views me right now. It's so different. She says, I look at myself now compared to when I was 18 and I like myself. I look at my leg and I'm like, this is okay. This is something positive. I would never have done that without the Paralympics. And, you know, forever, for for so many athletes at the Paralympics, I think just the the inspiring nature of, of that's the essence of the Paralympics. It's why it's so important. It's why I love watching it. You know, just from a sporting level, it's inspiring to watch, but to inspire other people with disabilities, 15% of the world's population have some sort of impairment. That was a big message from, from, from the opening ceremony. We, the 15, there was a little video message about that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of over and above the usual messages of accessibility and inclusivity and so on. But just just realizing having the role models there for, for people to be the best versions of themselves and to inspire others to, to greatness. So there's one other story I want to tell. I know we, I kind of had a bit of a rant about the opening ceremony, which did piss me off. But there was a really nice moment compared to the nonsense of the, the, the torchbearer of the Olympic opening ceremony. We had a really nice moment uh, at the Paralympic opening ceremony with the torchbearer. Now, this was a guy called Lee Duan. And if you're watching, you might have noticed he's a pretty tall guy. He was a professional basketball player in the CBA back in 1995. He was actually teammates with Wong Jiu-Jiu, who uh, people might know was actually China's first ever player in the NBA, played for the Mavericks uh, about 20 years or so ago. 
he had a bit. He had an accident where uh, a fire extinguisher exploded, and uh, he lost uh, um, part of his part of his fingers, and also lost his sight. Wow! Um, and had some sort of, you know, he he's talked about this. Had some 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 real down years where he was sort of feeling very sorry for himself, and and then actually became a a, a mass a masser for his basketball teammates, and then was like, hey, I can kind of do more than this. I can get into Paralympic sport. And so he does a triple jump and long jump, or he did. Um, he has competed at four Paralympic Games. So Sydney 2000 was his first one uh, in the triple jump, and he won a silver medal. And over his career, he's won eight Paralympic medals, four gold medals over four Paralympic Games. So he's a retired athlete now, uh, but just a really nice, inspiring story. Uh, some people are, are born with impairments. Other people, you know, they they acquire them through injury or, 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 or medical conditions and so on. But, you know, he's a, a great example, just like ever before. Um, and it was really nice to to, to pick someone like him um, just on pure merit of, of of his Paralympic achievements, I think, to, to like the like the like the, the cauldron. And Mark, once again, all this amazing stuff is happening kilometers away from us yeah. and we are still so far apart from it i've uh i've come up empty i've worked literally every channel i can to try and get tickets and yeah it's uh it's not gonna happen so resign myself <laughs> to uh to another <laughs> so, tv games it's so frustrating it's yeah so frustrating it is well what is not frustrating especially for the wta is that they have found life after china they announced a new deal with a company called Whole Logic. I hadn't heard of them before. Um, they are, according to Wikipedia, a medical technology company primarily focused on women's health. This is a this is a big deal, and I think I think it's a big deal because one of the reasons that Whole Logic wants to work with the WTA is specifically because of their stance on China. Yeah, they said it wasn't the only reason, but it definitely was one of the driving factors. A catalyst, they call it. A catalyst, yes. So uh, really significant. We don't have any uh, uh, numbers released, but they said it's a record sponsorship deal. So this is a huge um, amount. We've talked about the WTA prospects for tennis in China before. With, you know, around 10 or so tournaments over the last few years, including the, the Shenzhen WTA finals, which was $14 million in prize money. And at the time, when it was first announced, it was a, a, a richer tournament than the men's season-ending tournament. So that was a huge deal that China did with, with Gemdale and with Shenzhen, but also the other tournaments as well. So if COVID has temporarily shut the WTA out of China, it was also looking pretty dicey with their firm stance saying, until we get an investigation into Peng Shui's allegations, we are not going to play tournaments in China. And this will definitely ease that financial burden. Right. So the, so the previous deal was with Ericsson, and that was six years, $88 million. So around $15 million a year. Uh, you mentioned Shenzhen. The prize purse there was $14 million. So, you know, it sounds like the WTA is sort of cobbling together different ways of, of, of filling that gap. One of the tournaments that they just played in was Guadalajara. I mean, the prize money there was $5 million. I mean, it's not going to fill in the gap exactly, but it sounds kind of healthy to me. Yes, and I think what's most significant potentially is what other sports leagues are going to be doing. They're going to be looking at this thinking like, you know what? They there were all these headlines about how they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars and we'd already talked about well they've they've backfilled those tournaments. So so it's not like a, a blank hole. It's not like 10 right. spots on the empty spots on the calendar. But with deals like this coming in as a result of their stance, um, this is just one deal. We don't know if there are others in the works, sure. but people, you know, have have been very impressed by the WTA. So so what is this going to mean to other 
sports leagues and teams' attitudes towards China? Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. And you know, the thing as well is the WTA just seems like it's light years ahead of the ATP, the men's tour. Yeah, like. I mean, the decision about Zverev that came out, Alexander Zverev, uh, that came out this week. Now, Zverev, I don't know if you saw this, but at a tournament in, oh, I think it was in Mexico, he just smashed his racket. It was against the umpire's the chair. Umpire, against the umpire's chair. Yeah, yeah. And he just got a slap on the wrist. Like, yeah, what was, the hell? Yeah, the, the guy, he, the guy, like, his leg flinches. He thought he was, like, uh, like bracing. It wasn't just, like, everyone, you know, you, 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 break the, you break the racket on the net or on the, on the ground or whatever. It's, like, actually on the umpire's chair. You know, Serena Williams came out and said something like, if, if I had done that, oh, I would yeah. be she's out of the right. Yeah, she's totally right, yeah. you know. And, and, and a part of that is that the WTA takes this up a lot more seriously than the ATP. You know, the ATP has a, it, well, both tours actually have a real problem coming up because a lot of their uh, top players are Russian or Belarusian. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, it's the same sort of question that we had earlier with the legitimacy of the results uh, here at the Olympics. Like what happens, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with those Russian athletes. So another thing that happens just in the last few days, the very first tournament to have the WTA uh, Hologic branding of this new sponsorship deal, which was inspired in part by their stance on Peng Shui, was won by a Chinese player, Jiang Shui, who is China's number one player at the moment. Now, this got a lot of attention uh, as a tournament because in the final was an unseeded Ukrainian player. So you can imagine that the crowd was very much pulling for the Ukrainian given what's going on in the world. Um, there was a, a few moments where Jiang Shui got a little bit of heckling. Um, I, I haven't... Uh, there haven't been a huge amount of coverage exactly what was said, but I think it was more just the fact that people were pulling for pulling for her Ukrainian opponent. But I just thought it was a little bit ironic that uh, it was a Chinese athlete that won the first, uh, you know, Hologic branded WTA tournament. But the fact that Jiang Shuai is still on tour and other Chinese players on tour, it doesn't seem that even if the China-based tournaments uh, are being impacted both now and potentially into the future. It doesn't look like the Chinese players are being prevented or, or in, from playing on the tour, which is fantastic news. And hopefully they won't have any problems. And they'll still be encouraged. You know, the last thing we want for Chinese tennis is they're forced to kind of have this uh, domestic tour, which will just be not nearly the same standard. No. <laughs> so we want no. Chinese players playing yeah. on the tour as Jiang Shuai is and winning tournaments. Yeah, so yeah. that's good to see. What is not great to see, though... <laughs> What is not great? Listen, I'm working on these segues. <laughs> what is not great to see is that Sun Yang, China's star swimmer, is in the news again because he just lost his final appeal of a doping ban at a court in Switzerland. Mark, you devote a big chunk of sporting superpower to Sun Yang. He is fascinating. What makes him so fascinating? Well, he's a he's a controversial character, that's for sure. Um, Sun Yang. After 2012 in London, when he won a couple of gold medals, he, he he had the sporting world at his feet. He certainly had the Chinese sporting world at his feet. He's, he's tall, good-looking, incredibly talented. And, you know, he just can't escape the controversies. You know, he's, he's just gone from... From from what lurched from one disaster to the next, there was there was one thing. You know, I think this illustrates he's had some some doping issues, and those of course are like a, a bigger deal. But in terms of like the off field drama, you know, out of the pool drama, if you will, the best. Um, yeah, there was one time where he was caught uh, driving without a license, and the reason he was caught driving without a license is because he crashed the car. He was he was sponsored by one car brand. He was actually driving another car brand at the time. So he was in the wrong vehicle without a license. And then he had 10 days in detention. 
And oh, <laughs> there, there was a story here which I thought was brilliant. Basically, because he's a professional athlete and there were um, clenbuterol is, is one of the, 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 the substances that sometimes is, is mixed in with, with meat and the hormones and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and there's other uh, substances as well. Athletes have to be very, very careful about what they do and don't eat out of competition because it can be in their system and they could test positive. When he was in detention, basically prison for 10 days, they couldn't be seen to be making an exception for Sun Yang and saying, well, you're going to get like, you know, pre-prepared meat or whatever, um, you know, make sure that this is properly screened or you know, imported or whatever it was. So they made the whole prison wing or cell go vegetarian <laughs> for, t- for 10 days, right? And so I remember oh, reading no. some comment about the inmates were not particularly happy about this decision. And you can imagine them just basically saying, Sun Yang, please, will you just get the f out of here <laughs> that's am- that's am- that's amazing that's absolutely amazing he's such a character like the fact that he lost his final appeal is that surprising at all is that really news well uh, you know it, it, it's part of the process that he he was banned and then he uh, got that first decision thrown out on appeal so this was the appeal to the second case to the 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 vile smashing incident. Uh, we won't go into huge details here, but it was pretty controversial at the time. Well, you should. People should read your book. There we go. I mean, this is <laughs> it has, it has basic. That's that's the conclusion that we should reach here. Thank you, Hike. All right, Mark. Let's leave it there. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter is probably the best. Uh, Dryer China D R E Y E R China is my handle. And yeah, if you if you have comments on the show, if there's people you want to uh, uh, us to speak to, uh, if feedback, I'm sure people agree or disagree about some of the things we talked about we'd love to hear from you so reach out to either one of us uh and hi you are at i'm at uh hi Ballian. that's h-a-i-g-b-a-l-i-a-n and we will be back next week talk to you then 